We're in Jude chapter, well, we're in Jude, verses 8 through 10. So go all the way to the back of your Bible. If you get to Revelation, you've gone a little too far. Go back to your left one book, and that'll bring you to the book of Jude. And it's a letter from the brother of Jesus, and it is written to, uh, to help us understand the danger that we find ourselves in. As we saw the last couple weeks, um, that uh, Jude, he wanted to write a different letter. He wanted to write a letter that shared the gospel, that was focused on the gospel. But instead, as he looked around at the church, he saw the need to write them to help them see that they have to contend or fight for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. As we read later on, what, is, what the reason for this fight was, look in verse, um, verse 4. It says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And last week we saw, or last time we saw that, that he wanted to remind them. He says, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued a natural desire, they serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And in this morning's passage, Jude is going to bring that connection home. And he's going to identify these ungodly people as the same kinds of people, the same kinds of individuals who were condemned in, in the Exodus, the same kind of individual like the angels who left their proper position of authority, the same kinds of people who pursued um, a natural desire. And so in verse 8, he says this, yet in like manner, these people... Also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. This morning, I'd like for us to look at three things as we go through this passage and we understand why Paul or Jude didn't write the, the doctrinal letter. He wrote this challenge for, for the church to contend for the faith. And he wanted them to be aware of the, the problems or the sinfulness or the attitudes of these certain people that they're to look forward to. And the first one that Jude uh, brings to our attention is the imagination of the ungodly. If you're taking notes, write that down. The imagination of the ungodly. In verse 8 it says, Yet in like manner, like manner, these are the same kinds of people that had sinned before. These are the same kinds that thousand and a half years ago, right? 1,500 years earlier, had perished in the wilderness that Jesus Christ had destroyed in the same manner. These people, the same as Sodom and Gomorrah, the same as the fallen angels, yet in like manner, these people also. It says that they relied on their dreams. What kind of a person are these ungodly people? 
These are people that rely on their dreams. It's like they know better than God. They don't need God's revelation. They don't need God's intuition. They don't need God's wisdom. They rely on their own dreams, their own imagination. These people are apparently having some kind of visions or, or they're referring to their visions in order to justify their behavior. They're relying on their dreams to do whatever they do. These are ungodly people. They're not relying on God's vision. They're not re- relying on God's revelation. And as I was thinking about it, I, I was imagining the foolishness of relying on our own ideas. The foolishness of relying on our own opinions. I mean, how in the world could we determine if our dreams or our visions are true enough to guide our lives? I mean, how often are we wrong on any given day about anything? I know for my case, I look for my glasses and I keep looking for them and looking for them and looking for them. And I realize I'm looking through my glasses to find my glasses. I might, not, I might be the only one who does that, but I've done that. How can I rely on myself? I've gotten so far away from the house and, and couldn't remember if I turned off the oven and I had to turn back and go because in my own mind, I couldn't remember. I couldn't think I, 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 I'm, I'm dysfunctional that way. Maybe I'm the only one that can't remember the name of the person that was just introduced to me. But this is the way our mind works. We can't rely on that. I'll turn to Amy and I'll say, what were their names? And she's like, oh, I don't remember either. This is how our mind works. I've even asked Amy if she's seen my phone. While I was on the phone with her, calling her to see if she'd seen my phone. Maybe I'm the only one. But you and I are poor examples of sovereignty. Why are you laughing? Because you've done it or you're laughing at me? Listen, we're poor examples of sovereignty. Human beings are failures at this kind of thing. It is foolish to rely on our dreams. These people are doing that. These people, it says, but... Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams. Think about the sinfulness of relying on our dreams. It's not just foolish to rely on our imaginations. It's sinful. The figments of our distorted consciousness, the result of our emotional and or our physical exhaustion. We rely on our own opinions and so on instead of relying on the wisdom, the goodness, and the perfection of the one who knows all. These people rely on their own. And that's why they're described as ungodly. They do not trust the Lord. And this description fits perfectly with Jude's message so far. The examples that he gave, the unbelievers in the wilderness, they relied on their dreams, their imaginations, their priorities, their preferences. And they condemned Moses and Aaron and the Lord for bringing them to die in the wilderness because of their own opinion. They relied on that and it destroyed them. The angels fooled themselves into thinking that they could be like God and they left their proper position And they were condemned and placed in utter chains. Sodom and Gomorrah's imaginations persuaded them to think that they could use their flesh in whichever way they pleased. They relied on their imagination and they imagined that they could do anything they wanted with anyone they wanted. Even their children, even the visiting angels. 
This is the sinfulness of relying on our own opinions. Jude goes on to talk about how their wicked hearts led them to defile the flesh. If you're taking notes, this is where they they didn't do things God's way. They didn't do things God's way. There's an understanding in this that the flesh has a purpose. God created the flesh for a purpose. He created our bodies to be used, to function, to operate in a specific way. Now, when it's speaking sexually like this, we know that it is the marriage bed that is to be undefiled. That God has created a man and a woman, a man to, to leave his family, his mother and his father, and to take a wife and there to become one flesh. That's the purpose by which God has created our sexuality. And they've defiled it according to their own opinion. These ungodly ones defile that purpose. And they use the flesh for things that are contrary to nature. And I see this often when I speak with people. I see it often when I speak with with young people. And I I hear that they're struggling with the faith. And they're walking away from from church. And they don't want to come back anymore. And and they throw out all of these questions and all of these statements about how church doesn't make any sense anymore. Christianity doesn't make any sense anymore. But the further and the further I, I pick and I prod, I find out that really they just wanted to move in with their girlfriend or their boyfriend. They want to use the flesh and defile it for their own purposes. Because of their own imaginations. This is the ungodly way. Not doing things God's way. But not only do they defile the flesh, it says they reject authority. If you're taking notes, this is where they they don't care what God says. Not only they don't want to do things God's way, but they don't care what God says. Of course. They rely on themselves. They are their own highest authority. And so they reject everything else. That's how he was introduced. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams. Of course they reject authority. They reject all authority except their own. Now think about this. They're not under God's authority. By definition, they are ungodly. This is the the very foundation for the sin in the beginning. Adam and Eve. They didn't care what God had to say. They did what they wanted. And these people are their own gods. Jude has already identified those, them as those who deny their only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. They're ungodly. They listen to nobody but themselves. And in so doing, they blaspheme the glorious ones. That's an interesting kind of thing. Blasphemy has to do with slander or insulting. It's a theme for these next three verses. These people are so caught up in their own opinion... They are so caught up in in what they think and how they feel that they can say anything they want about anybody. It's an interesting thing, the way this progresses. As a matter of fact, these people do it to the extent that they're blaspheming angels. They think so much of themselves that they place themselves and they place their opinions even above the angels. And they blaspheme them. They blaspheme them. In the the context of the next verse, maybe in their positions in the church, they're taking it upon themselves to pronounce judgment even on Satan. Which we would think, well, goodness, it's free reign to pronounce judgment on Satan. But we're going to see here that, that that's not the case. 
Look at what it says in the next, uh, the next section. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, the Lord, Lord rebuke you. They are so presumptuous. They are so full of their own ideas that they will blaspheme and insult even someone like the devil. And Judas condemning him for it. This morning, as we think about contending for the faith, we need to understand that contending for the faith means to be careful, to be aware of this kind of thinking. We need to be careful of this kind of people. If we're going to contend for the faith, we need to understand that we have to stand for something and against something else. This morning, we look at the imagination of the ungodly. And in verse 9, we're going to look at the submission of the godly. This is the contrast. Jude has just described ungodly actions. And in verse 9, he contrasts them with actions that are godly. This is an interesting passage. Michael is fighting over the body of Moses. Somehow or other, and there's no detail about this, just this, this one simple little statement. There's other, there's other statements in other parts of the history. But in this one statement, it's only saying that he's disputing about the body of Moses with the devil. And the context leads us to think that somehow or the other, the devil wanted to do something with the flesh of, of Moses. He wanted to corrupt it. He wanted to take it. He wanted to, to use it to spite the Lord. But, but Michael wants to uphold it. Michael also recognizes his place. This is what's interesting. He recognizes his place. He bows before the authority of the Lord. It says... He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, even on the devil. Think about that. Even on the devil, Michael didn't stand there and say, you are rebuked. He said, the Lord rebuke you. He didn't presume on his own authority. Michael, one of the greatest beings ever, is mindful of his place. He understands that it is not his place. Jude presents Michael, one who is so high on the authority scale, who refuses to leave his position, who submits to the lordship of Jesus Christ, and he does not take the authority upon himself to presume judgment. That's a challenge for us. He, even he, continues to entrust himself to the one who judges justly. If the, if the archangel Michael has this kind of attitude, that's a challenge for you and I. And we will see as we work through this. On one side, we have those who only know what they want to know. On one side, we have those who only do what they want to do. On one side, we have those who only say what they want to say. They are ungodly people. God is not their focus. And on the other side, we have one who, for all intents and purposes, has so much more right to do what he wants. He's the archangel. And yet he submits to the Lord Jesus Christ. The picture for you and I today is contending for the faith means submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. Committing or submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Contending for the faith means waiting for him to carry out his own will, not to get caught up in all of the wiles of the ungodly. And the third thing this morning as we look at verse 10, it's the destruction of the blasphemers. And here's our challenge today. This is where Jude goes with it. 
Michael understands his place and he understands the devil's place. And Michael doesn't presume to say or do more than is right for him to, but these people don't. It's impossible to miss the connection that Jude is making with the previous section. The unbelievers in the Exodus, the unbelievers who rebelled, the unbelievers in Sodom and Gomorrah, all were condemned in the most horrific ways. Verses 5 through 7. These blaspheming unbelievers are also facing eternal judgment. They are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Judgment is coming on the ungodly. Of course these people blaspheme the glorious ones. Of course they slander everyone who doesn't agree with them. They blaspheme everything that doesn't fit within their scope of imagination. The height of their ungodliness is that their imagination is actually no better than the... than the intellect of the animals who have no practical ability to reason at all. What a twist. They understand their arrogance. They understand their sinful desires. They understand their rebellion. They understand their blasphemy. They simply don't recognize it as sin. This is their dilemma. This is why Jude is warning his readers to contend with them. They think what they're doing is right. And this is what will destroy them. They don't see any reason to repent. They don't think they've done anything wrong. And they will be destroyed. Contending for the faith means to stand against those who reject the truth about their own sinfulness. Contending for the faith means to stand against those who reject the truth about their own sinfulness. Contending for the faith means to stand against those who present their message as God's message. They will be destroyed. And they will blame their destruction on everyone else. This morning as we close... I want us to consider as we think about the way Jude has gone all the way back 1,500 years before the time of Christ, 3,500 years from before now, that you and I are simply one more generation in a slow but unstoppable movement of God's plan. You and I are just another step. You and I have to notice that just like God's authority was rejected by those in the Exodus, It is being rejected today. And just like the judgment fell on them and those who relied on their own imaginations, God's judgment will fall on the ungodly today. We are not exempt. This is what makes the gospel good news. There's nothing special about us, all of us are sinners. All of us need God to work in us. This morning, there's only two kinds of people here today. And I want you to listen as we close. The first kind are those who are ungodly. You might not be as obviously ungodly as the examples that Jude is using. But you too are living according to your own dreams. 
your own imaginations. There's no God in your life. You're defiling the flesh. You're living in sin. You're using your body for purposes that do not glorify God. Doing things that are shameful and contrary to God's word. You're ungodly. You reject all authority but your own. You don't need God. And you blaspheme all, thinking so highly of yourself that you condemn everyone who doesn't live up to your standard. This morning, you need to hear this message. You are the ungodly. And I want to challenge you to beware because destruction is coming for you and you will not avoid it if you continue to follow yourself. You are ungodly. You need God today. The hope of the gospel is that God came. The hope of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came so that he could change your heart. He could redeem you. He could purify you. He could cleanse you from all unrighteousness so that you could be forgiven and that he would bring you to God. You can be forgiven because God paid the price. All you have to do right now is turn from your own dreams and your own imaginations. Bring your life to him. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He will forgive you. He will become your God. Won't you turn to him today? My prayer for all of the ungodly in here is that you will see Jesus. The second kind of person today is those who are contending for the faith. Listen, the danger for us today isn't from the outside. It's not from the politics or the finances, the economy or the weather. The danger for this congregation is from inside our ranks. Church, we need to become better equipped to contend for the faith. We must know the faith that was delivered to the saints. The word of God is profitable for teaching. We need to learn it. We must continually bring our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. The word of God is profitable for rebuking, for stopping us from disobeying. The word of God is profitable for correction or showing us the right way. We need to listen to it. We need to obey. We need to live as if there is a God for his glory. And the word of God is profitable for training in righteousness. And you and I need to live on bended knees, bowed heads, and contend for the faith that God has delivered to us. Let's pray. Good Lord Jesus, work in our souls today. Bring life into dark hearts. Call souls from the grave. Grant repentance and forgiveness. Give hope and life. Lord, strengthen us. Cause us to live for you. Work in us that we would see and know that apart from you, we can do no thing. Christ, be obvious in our homes, 
in our community for your glory's sake. Amen. Amen.